I think what this pandemic is doing, it threw such a hard wrench in business models for our clients that I think they're finally coming around to what we've been consulting with them to do for years, which is to never stop innovating and have an innovation program inside your organization that can constantly be thinking and looking at these disruptions. Hello and welcome to the 25 Days of Transformation series, where we talk to industry experts and global brands about the highs and lows of digital transformation. We'll learn from real-world business examples, get first-hand industry insights from the digital experts, and we'll take a deep dive into what trends to look out for in the coming months. I'm Tizzy Philp, Strategic Content Lead here at Valtech, and I'm here to guide you through these conversations and to uncover the latest and greatest in digital. This episode is a serious treat as I'm joined by Jeremy Dimstra, Managing Director of our San Diego offices and SVP of Connected Experiences here at Belltech. Jeremy originally co-founded a digital innovation agency, MJD, in San Diego back in 2007, and over the next 12 years grew the business to become a highly respected authority in digital building innovative products and experiences for companies like Disney, Levi's, Universal Studios, and Under Armour. In 2019, MJD was acquired by Valtech, and Jeremy and his teams joined our global community. As an inspirational speaker, I remember he received a standing ovation for one of his first internal presentations here at Valtech. Jeremy is helping to shape what's possible for brands and businesses in the digital age. By maintaining a laser focus on the customer experience, he's bringing creativity, strategy, digital innovation, and a mass of formidable experience to clients looking for a fresh, creative approach to digital transformation. So this is going to be a great chat, Jeremy. I'm very excited about this one, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Tizzy. It is a pleasure speaking with you, as always. Everyone is talking about the new normal. This is a phrase that I hate and what's going to change as a result of this pandemic. But more often than not, in uh, situations like this, everything sort of drifts back to the way it was before, doesn't it? Or what changes do you think are really going to stick around as a result of COVID? I do hear this a lot from our clients. And frankly, we're doing a lot of consulting work for people in the retail industry, theme park industry, hospitality industry, automotive industry on this very topic. And it's kind of twofold. Part of it is what do we do with our digital experiences while this pandemic is going on? But then your question, what is going to be the new normal? What is going to stick from what we're doing right now once hopefully a vaccine is here and and we can be done with this pandemic? And frankly, I think retail's a good example of this because obviously not many people are going to stores right now. Physical stores uh, are having trouble. And in general, retailers are looking for new innovative ways to you know, contact and interact with their customers. Um, and what we're seeing now that I think will stick in the new normal um, are things like a shift from wholesaling and a retailer perhaps uh, selling their things in a department store where they don't have a ton of control over the branding or the experience in, in, in general. Um, and what we're seeing is a big shift to direct to consumer, at least in this space. And 
what that means is we're building tools, you know, uh, rapidly producing e-commerce websites, uh, mobile applications and web applications that work in a mo- in the mobile space, things in physical stores that uh, allow people to sign up for accounts and create this direct-to-consumer uh, behavior that we're not seeing previous to this. So a lot of the folks that we're working with in that particular space for instance, if you're a, a beauty retailer and you've traditionally sold in department stores, we're building technologies where you can use augmented reality to scan the package and computer vision sees it um, and gives you a video of you know how to use some makeup or all of the information you could ever want on the ingredients that are in it. And part of this is also it gives you these really interesting looks, so a lookbook. And then you can create a profile uh, right in the department store and save that profile and save all of your favorite products to it so that when you go home, you can purchase those products directly, uh, which is a completely different and novel idea than, than was happening a year ago. So there's, there are big shifts there for sure. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, how do you think that brands can really get ready to respond to this? I mean, you've mentioned we've been looking at things like e-commerce websites, quick mobile apps, things to kind of facilitate the change. But are those requests coming directly from the client? What kind of client requests are coming through? Are they just asking for us to help them get ready? Are they asking for specific websites? Some interesting things happening there. Uh, we work with a variety of luxury brands, um, and unfortunately, I can't use a lot of their names right now. But some of the things that they're doing are novel, very innovative technologies like co-browsing. So, for instance, if you're a luxury brand, and typically, you know, let's say your products are quite an investment for people, so let's say five thousand dollars and above. Normally, those things aren't shown on a public website. You have to go to the physical store to actually go and purchase those things. And one of the big reasons for that is this is a large expense for people. um, And you really want to have this amazing experience and relationship with the sales associate that's helping you. And that sales associate says, oh my gosh, you look great in red. You look great in black. Let's try this on. Let's try that on. And you have this wonderful experience in the store, which I think we're all missing right now. But one of the key things that's happening is we're taking those sales associates who may have, you know, kind of been on the bench and and not had a whole lot of work to do. And we're bringing them into the digital world where we're building kind of VIP walled gardens um, on these websites and, and with a mobile app so that the sales associate can actually, just like a Zoom meeting or anything else, directly interact with that customer, make those recommendations, um, send them uh, products. Maybe that person even tries them on and then shows them to the sales associate at a later date. You create these really friction-free buying experiences so that the shopping cart seamlessly gets purchased and, and shipped out uh, to somebody. And I see a lot of those technologies kind of keeping like they're going to take hold and they're going to remain after the pandemic is done because people just love it. They love being able to sit in their living room, talk to a sales associate, get product recommendations in a really cool one-to-one personalized way that wasn't possible before. And it's just convenient. So I think that's going to happen more and more. And you mentioned friction-free, but we're still including the human touch in that, aren't we? I think a lot of people assume when we talk about digital innovation or digital transformation, we're talking about stripping people out of the process. But so much of the work that you do and your team does is all about keeping, keeping the human element in it, very much, very much making the human touch part of the experience. 
Absolutely. So a great example of that is uh, some of the work that we were doing with Levi's. And we did some consulting work for them where we were looking at this thing called the smart store concept. And the smart store concept is basically there's so much data available to an organization like Levi Strauss. And they have all of the products that are being purchased via their app. They have all the products that are being purchased in their stores, all the products that are being uh, purchased on e-commerce. And you start to combine those data feeds with really interesting things like what is the inventory in a store um, to 98% accuracy at any given minute using robotics to actually scan RFID codes throughout the store. So you know where every single product physically is in a map of the store, not just back of house, but did customers move a pair of jeans from one station to the next? And we would know that information. Uh, a feed like weather could come in and we could know that it's going to be chilly tomorrow and we're going to move jackets and, and things to keep in sweaters and things to the front of the store for that. Um, trend APIs, things like, you know, Justin Timberlake wore a white truck trucker jacket last week on Instagram and we're going to move those white trucker jackets to this really highly populated part of the store so that we can sell more of those things. And when you start thinking about all of these data feeds that come in, you start to think, well, is this going to replace the the role of the store manager or the sales associates that are actually on the store? And the really interesting thing is we're finding the opposite is true. So all of these data feeds come into an interface where artificial intelligence makes store recommendations move these clothes from this spot to this spot, you know, change a fixture from this area of the store to this area of the store. But the store manager puts a very human level of knowledge on top of that and says, that doesn't sound like a good idea. These two things sound like a great idea. And then they make the changes and then the system gives feedback, you know, which things worked and which things didn't work. But it just, it basically creates a tool for the sales associates and and the human beings that are in this environment to be smarter and to give better advice to the customers that are there. It's just an enhancement of their jobs. It's I've yet to see a replacement of a job. And I love this dynamic store concept. And we were talking about it a lot last year as well, before COVID hit. And then suddenly you've got this COVID layer on top, which means that maybe we need to rethink the in-store experience again. And I know that your team recently presented some market research that you guys carried out to understand how people actually feel about going back into the stores. So adding that layer of, again, the human touch, how do they feel? How do they want to interact with devices or new interfaces? How do they feel about touchscreens? Can you tell us more about what you found out in that research? For sure. Um, And this can get us a little bit out of the, the, the retail focus as well. We're finding this across theme parks. We're finding this in hospitality throughout many different verticals uh, that we work in 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 Valtech. And basically what it all boils down to is when we're looking at connected experiences, this magical world where digital touches physical spaces, we have typically put in large touch screens or interactions where you need to physically touch things. And obviously that's pretty gross now. (laughs) You don't want to catch COVID from touching a public screen um, in a theme park. So we did a lot of research and we were looking at three technologies that we thought were the most promising. One was uh, voice technology, the other was gesture, gesture control, and the other one is what we call bring your own device. And what we did is we took existing touchscreens in physical spaces, say a theme park, and we asked people, number one, did you want to touch them? 
Number two, try voice control. So they could actually say, go to the next screen or choose that particular product or something like that. And then the next one we tested was gesture control. So using your hands or even gazing at a part of a screen and that would uh, dictate where you would go inside the user interface. And then the final one, one of the ways we're doing it was using QR codes to actually use your phone to scan a QR code and take control of that particular device. The interesting findings, both voice control and gesture control, um, people just said they felt silly doing it. So you can imagine, you know, walking into maybe a, an airport and you know, you're using voice control to find out where the closest restaurant is um, or, or gift shop or whatever it might be. And two things. Uh, first, people didn't know what they could say to it. We were just using natural language processing. Um, so basically, you could say anything. You'd say, show me a restaurant, and it would figure that out and show you a restaurant. We alleviated that a little bit by adding in user interface elements that you know, would prompt them. You, know, you can ask it what, where to find restaurants. You can ask it where to find shopping. And that helped a lot. Um, but still, people felt a little weird speaking to a screen in, in public spaces. Same thing with gesture controls. You know, they felt like they were kind of looking like a, a composer in an orchestra or <laughs> a magician on stage looking a little silly doing those things. But bring your own device was actually really, really well received um, in the 90 percentile. People actually liked it a lot. And it also helps an age old problem that we have with touchscreens in public spaces. It's the problem. What if a dozen people walk up to the screen at the same time, right? And who gets to control that screen if that actually happens? And the bring your own device is cool because you can have multiple people scan a QR code at that there, and then it would just put you in a queue on the top of the screen and say, all right, this person's next, this person's next. Or you can do a timer. You get control of it for 30 seconds, and then it goes to the next person. So there's a lot of ways to start getting around that when you're actually using somebody's device. I want to know about your thoughts on disruption generally. So what we see when it comes to disruption, whether it's a pandemic or a new market challenger, you often see brands going into, I guess we could call it innovation overdrive. You know, they're looking for ways to respond, to compete, to stay relevant. We also see companies revisiting maybe some earlier concepts that they'd created, but, you know, throwing them into a new light. I'm thinking of the Valtec Attend queuing solution here as, as an example to that. What do you think is most important for brands when it comes to this reflex innovation? You know, how can they make sure that they're spending money in the best way? How can they be sure that whatever they create remains relevant over time? I guess what the question is here is, are they innovating for innovation, innovating sake, or are they actually going to create something that is, is relevant down the line too? Yeah, that's a great question. The pandemic's a perfect example of this. So a month into it, we were getting calls from brands, like, frankly, just freaking out. Like, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to solve the issue of our business models being completely obliterated? And the answer to that for us was a lot of workshops, a lot of one and two day workshops and really doing a lot of ideation, looking at things through design thinking lenses and really, you know, what do your customers need right now? What's going to resonate with them? What technology is available? Um, what, what's you know feasible and even doable from a technology standpoint? What kind of ROI are you going to get out of it from a business viability standpoint? Was really really key. You know, just freaking out because nobody's coming into your stores, for instance. You don't want to spend a million dollars on something that's not going to have an ROI after the pandemic. So, how do you figure out things that actually will? 
And then the other lens we always look at is sustainability. Is this thing good for the planet? But all of that said, you know, the workshops led to some good work. Um, Co-browsing, like I was talking about before, was something that really came out of a few workshops uh, for retailers. All of that said, I think what this pandemic is doing, it threw such a hard wrench in business models for our clients that I think they're finally coming around to what we've been consulting with them to do for years, which is to never stop innovating and have an innovation program inside your organization that can constantly be thinking and looking at these disruptions and frankly, leaning on a partner like Valtech to be looking at the horizon of what's what future disruptions are coming out there, understanding how, how those technologies are actually going to disrupt things and, and things like that. But a hugely important part of it is having an innovation lab inside your organization, making sure that you have a culture that is going to embrace and sustain that innovation lab. And what I mean by that is you need to make sure it's a really safe place to push boundaries. You need to be, you need people to feel like they're safe to fail. You need people to feel like they're safe to succeed if you have a great success. You need people to have no ego and be able to you know, really have deep, meaningful conversations with each other about what's going to work and what might not work and, and experiments and prototypes that you can try and just fostering this idea that innovation never stops. I think that will be something that carries forward after the pandemic. Yeah, completely agree. It's so exciting, isn't it? I want to just go back to a, a question about retail stores, so the physical stores to clear something up and get your, uh, get your opinion on this. I think when I think about the work we did with Levi's and the tailor shop or the container store project, those were both projects that were all about creating, you know, this seamless experience in store and online, this omni-channel experience, but also making brick and mortar stores destinations in their own right. It was all about giving people a reason to go there because the experience was going to be so brilliant, so playful, so easy. You know, so valuable to them as a customer and as a human. But knowing what you know now, having experienced the last few months, seeing everything go online and seeing the way that humans have responded, are you still a believer that the physical store is still relevant to today's consumers? Is there still a space for the physical store? I'll, I'll give you a Levi's example and I'll give a container store example. So Levi's, the tailor shop, it's this amazing area inside the physical store where you can walk in and you can take any product and you can get it uh, tailored so fitted perfectly to you. You can do crazy things like use a laser to burn holes in, in uh, your pants exactly where you want them. You can put patches on things and whatever you can imagine doing to apparel, you can do it. There. And you're actually working with a physical tailor and there's sewing machines and scissors and fabric and all of this super cool stuff in the store. You can watch them do it and have this amazing experience. That is, it's an incredible uh, thing to experience when you walk into a store and you realize all these things you could do to a pair of Levi's that you never thought of. But, you know, we're helping them build tools, uh, an iPad application where, you know, if you're in the middle of Kansas and there's not a Levi's store within 300 miles of you, you can actually look at the portfolios of a tailor in San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York City, Atlanta, choose somebody you just love their work, their portfolio so much create a digital video uh, relationship with them right there on the screen. You can start sketching out the cool 
pattern that you want put on uh, a trucker jacket, for instance, and you're collaborating with, with them from thousands of miles away in real time, and then you get to watch the entire process of your piece of apparel get uh, customized and then sent to you. Those kind of things aren't going anywhere. That's like the ultimate version of a, of a co-browsing situation. And I think those will continue. But like I said, there's something magical about being in the store, which leads me to the container store example, where if I'm home, um, the application that we built for them, I can scan my five-year-old daughter's room. It's this crazy mess all the time. Um, I can take some pictures of it, take some measurements of the room describe the challenges I'm having, send that to the container store and a human being called an organization expert actually uses the system we built for them to create a solution board with all of the products that can solve my daughter's messy room challenge. And they also get to set up a time to come in the store in a very safe way, um, social distancing to the max. There's no one anywhere around you. And they can go into the store and work with the organization expert on the challenge that was put forth, but you get to walk around the store looking at the actual products, touching them, feeling them, opening them up, closing them, uh, seeing how big it really is in the space. And that kind of stuff is never going to go away. It's, it's so important to be able to touch and feel and experience actual physical objects. Um, and it's just not doable in, in the digital space. So there's models for both of those things for sure. I don't really want to uh, to end this chat because I feel like there's so much more to talk about, but maybe we're going to have to do a, a second episode so that we can fit everything <laughs> in. Thank you so much for joining us and for talking us through all of that stuff. Again, as ever, some really cool, interesting insights. And uh, you know, I think people can definitely reach out to you directly or come and find us at valtech.com if you want to chat to Jeremy in more detail. And hopefully we can get another episode in with you. But otherwise, thank you again. This was an amazing experience. It was so much fun. You made my day. Hopefully this is somewhat helpful to anybody uh, listening. And if this spurs any ideas or conversations, please do feel free to get in touch with me. You've been listening to the 25 Days of Transformation series from Valtech Cafe. If you enjoyed this podcast, then why not subscribe and keep up to date with all of the episodes in this series and a whole host of insights from the Valtech Cafe back catalogue. And if you'd like more information about what we do or to get in touch, why not visit us at valtech.com to find out the details. Until next time, thanks for listening. Listening.